Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August 15th, and our chapter for today is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20. Well, now Jesus is in the closing week of his life. And the Bible says at the close of chapter 19 that Jesus came from Bethany. And the other gospels harmonize this, that he came over the Mount of Olives. The town of Bethany is just on the back side, the eastern side of the Mount of Olives. Jesus would have come over that hill riding on a colt. And he would have made his way from the crest of the Mount of Olives, where later he would ascend to heaven. And now he is halfway down the road that led to the Kidron Valley by the Garden of Gethsemane over into the temple complex on Mount Moriah. And Jesus, the Bible says, wept over the city. And he cried with a loud voice. The people could see him. They could hear him. And as he descended, he began to say with a loud voice, his weeping over the city. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, if you would have known this, you could have had peace, is what he's saying, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on every side, and then they will level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now what Jesus wept over this city about and declared here happened In 70 A.D., between 67 and 70 A.D., the Roman legions came, surrounded the city of Jerusalem as there had been an uprising against Rome, and they, in 70 A.D., leveled the city. They destroyed the temple that Zerubbabel and his companions had built and dedicated in 516 B.C., that the Hasmoneans, the Maccabeans, that family had expanded to a large degree, and then Herod the Great had an ongoing building program that had just finished when it was destroyed, and it was magnificent. But that beautiful temple was completely destroyed. Many people say, well, there's still a stone left upon another because I've been to the Kotel, to the Wailing Wall, to the Western Wall. Well, let me just say to you, that's not a wall of the temple. You cannot find a wall of the temple because, as Jesus said, not one stone was left upon another. What you see when you see the Kotel is the retaining wall, the western retaining wall that was over the cheesemakers or the central or Tyropian valley 
which was built up by Solomon, filled in to some degree, then more by the Hasmoneans, but that Herod the Great absolutely filled up. And there were many levels of streets up and down that central Tyropian Cheesemaker Valley. And so all you're seeing is the retaining wall around the great temple complex. Now, the reason I'm saying this from chapter 19 is because Jesus had uh, just been hearing the shouts of the people, Baruch Habab, Bashem Adonai, Baruch Habab, Bashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the scripture goes on to say that when he began to say peace in heaven and glory in the highest, that some of the Pharisees began to say, teacher, rebuke your disciples, rabbi, rebuke your disciples. They shouldn't be saying that. That's for the Messiah. And they certainly did not believe he was Mashiach, Messiah, the anointed one. But he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And so uh, right after that is when Jesus wept. And then he went in what I believe would have been the northern gate, the sheep gate. That's where the lambs were chosen. This would have been on what we call Palm Sunday, but it would have been on the 10th of Nisan, the 10th of Abib, which would have been the Old Testament name for the, the month of the year, the first month of the year, Aviv, spring. And on this 10th day of Nisan was the day of the choosing of the lambs. Now, I've already done a couple of podcasts on this, so you can go back and listen to those and look at those. But it's on the 10th day of the month of Nisan that the Passover lamb was chosen, and that Passover lamb was kept up and adored and fed and tended to. It was the best of all the lambs in the flock. It was without spot or without blemish. It had been born for this very day. All of that was fulfilled in the person of Jesus himself. He was as a lamb without spot or blemish. He had been born for this very day. But instead of being brought into the house, he was rejected. And this is why he was weeping. And he said, because of this, there's not going to be one stone left upon another because you have rejected your Messiah. You have rejected who I am. God knew this all along, and that's why he prepared Calvaria as the place of the stoning where the Lamb of God would be offered on the northern side of the altar, the altar of Mount Moriah. And so all of this was in preparation for Pesach, for Passover, the time when the Passover lamb would be slain, when Pontius Pilate and his legions would come and would be on high alert, the highest alert, because the Passover caused the Jews to remember that they were once a free people, a uh, noble people that were under their own sovereignty. But because of their sin and their rebellion against Almighty God, now they were under the yoke of the bondage of Rome. And Rome knew that if indeed there was a disturbance, that the man who represented Caesar in the land, Pontius Pilate, would need to be there. And so that's why he came up from Caesarea Maritime, that's 70 miles northwest of Jerusalem. And so all of this has set the scene for chapter 20. Now, it happened on uh, one of those days, that is the days when Jesus went in and out of the temple before Passover, that he taught the people in the temple, preached the gospel, and preached the good news that the chief priest and the scribes together with the elders confronted him and spoke to him saying, now wait just a minute. Now that's not in the scripture. I'm just preparing you. 
They said, now, wait just a minute. Tell us by what authority are you doing the things that you're doing? What was Jesus doing? He was teaching them the truth that the kingdom of God is at hand, that he is the Messiah, that he was sent and he did miracles and he said things that only God could say. He did things that only God could do. And so now they were questioning his authority. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do this? Because you see, they were the keepers of the castle. They were the ones that were in charge, and they did not want anything done in the temple, nor in the environs of the temple that they didn't have say over, because you see, they were the Sadducees. They were the chief priests, and that sect is the one that was in charge of all the temple area and rituals and routines. And Jesus didn't answer them in the way that they thought that he would. But he answered them and said unto them, and he asked them a question. In other words, he answered a question with a question. This is classic apologetics and defending the faith. Look what he said. He said, I also will ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Now, that was a stumper. And verse 5 tells us why. They reasoned. They began to think logically, analytically through this immediately. This threw them into a tailspin. And they reasoned among themselves saying, now, if we say from heaven, if we say that John got his authority from heaven, John tied Jesus to his own ministry. Jesus in John's eye is the Lamb of God. And if we say that he is not, John is not from heaven, and he doesn't have the authority of heaven, he's not from God, well, we're going to be stoned, and this is going to cause an uproar and an uprising, could cause a revolution and rebellion. Why? Because the people thought very highly of John, and they were persuaded that he was a prophet. Now, he was, Jesus said, among those who are born of women, there's no greater man, no greater prophet than John the Baptist because he was so highly reverenced and great respect, and the people went out from everywhere to listen to him. And he said that Jesus was the Messiah. So they said, if we say that John doesn't have his authority from God, then this is is not going to be good for us guys. And verse 6, he said, but if we say from men, they're going to stone us. They are going to stone us because they're persuaded John's a prophet. So if we say that it's from heaven, then we're going to have to give validity to Jesus being from heaven as well. And if we say that Jesus is not from heaven, he's he's not who he says, then this is a mess. And so they answered that they did not know where it was from. Well, that was a good answer because they really didn't know and were acting like that. So Jesus told them a parable. Verse 9, then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now, at a vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give some of the fruit of the vineyard. After all, it was his. He's the one that planted it. He's the one that hired these guys. But the vine dressers beat him, sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent another servant. They beat him and treated him shamefully, sent him away empty-handed. And again, they sent a third, and he wounded him and cast him out. Now, what he is saying here is, I've sent prophet after prophet. God sent prophet after prophet after prophet. 
These were these servants and messengers that were sent to the Jewish people. This is what this is talking about. Then the owner of the vineyard, who is God himself in this parable, said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. And then he said unto them, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls will be ground to powder. Now, that is an amazing statement. Why? Because he is talking about himself and his relationship with the Father and that he is the beloved son that was sent after all the prophets were rejected. Now they're going to reject and kill the son. And this chief cornerstone is Jesus. And this is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. And the chief priest and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. Just what I told you is exactly what it meant. Jesus was telling this parable and using them, and that's like a pastor getting up and knowing the heart and sin of the people because it's open and obvious and telling a parable that struck to the heart of what these people were doing, and they knew exactly that he was talking about them, and they wanted to get out from under that, so that what would they do? They'd fire the pastor, they'd come up with charges, they'd do anything they could to keep from admitting that the story was about them and that it was true. Now, you say, well, I don't know of a pastor that would do that. Well, there's not many that will because they are so keen on keeping their job and their livelihood. That's right. But Jesus knew that this is the reason that he came and so he could speak with boldness. What's the worst thing they could do? They could crucify him. And that's exactly what they did. And so what we have in this particular story is a story of how Jesus, on that last week of his life, confronted the priests, the high priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. He confronted them all, and he just told them the truth because he knew what was coming, and he wanted them to know that he was not afraid of them. He was not afraid of what they could do to him. He was not afraid to die after all. That's why he came. Not to die for his own sins, not to pay the penalty for a crime that he'd committed, but to pay the penalty for your sins and for mine, to pay for the crimes against God that you and I have done. Because you see, Jesus is the Son of God, and he is who he said he was, and he's coming again. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.